I first heard of the Oracle of the Dead during the year of my praetorship. I was praetor peregrinus, traveling all over Italy and hearing cases that involved foreigners. It was an extremely agreeable way to spend a year in office, and it kept me out of Rome, where things were getting very ugly that year. I spent much of the year in and around Baie, partly because I had the use of a villa near there, and partly because it was a very pleasant place and I could do pretty much as I liked. It's not far from here, Sextus Plotius told me. He was a director of the Bronze Founders Syndicate, a very prominent local equus, and, most importantly, he served the best Chan vintage I ever tasted. Been here forever, maybe from the time of the Aborigines. It said that Odysseus and Aeneas both consulted the oracle there. Baie is, of course, named for its founder, Baios, the steersman of Odysseus. Half the towns I have been in, including Rome, claim to have been founded by a Trojan War veteran or a near descendant of one. This is odd, since, if you credit Homer, so many people were killed there that it's hard to believe so many town founders could have survived. How wonderful! Julia gushed. Can we see it? My wife was much more interested in religious matters than I. I had already visited the far more famous Cumaean Sibyl, also nearby and had not been impressed. Actually, I said, we have a perfectly good mundus in Rome, my dear. It's not the same thing at all, she insisted. The mundus just gives us access to the souls of our dead in the underworld. There's no oracle. And the dead know the answers to all things, our host added. I knew that I would end up going to see this marvel. I have never understood why people attribute such omniscience to the dead. Nobody thought most of them were knowledgeable while they were alive, and I don't anticipate a post-mortem education. Even if they want to contact us, why expect them to tell the truth? Most people are liars while alive, so why shouldn't they continue as such after death? People have such unrealistic expectations. So, the next morning I found myself occupying a monstrous litter on its way to the oracle. Besides myself, my wife and Plotius, The litter held Julia's cousin, also Julia, but nicknamed Circe, and Antonia, a sister of Marcus Antonius, the famous one, Caesar's loyal supporter, soon to be master of horse, and, in time, Triumvir. Behind us, in another litter, were a few others of our party, my freedman, Hermes, a kinsman named Marcus Cecilius Metellus, and a few others whose names escape me now. Being a praetor and holding imperium, I travelled in considerable state in those days, with a whole gaggle of attendants. I'd left my lictors at my villa, since it was a day on which official business was forbidden. It was an enjoyable trip, because travelling through the Campanian countryside is always enjoyable. Campania holds some of the fairest land in all of Italy. It was once held, most unreasonably, by a pack of Campanians and Samnites and Greeks and such, before we conquered it and settled a lot of good, dependable Roman citizens there to keep the natives in their place. In time, we came to a temple on the beautiful bay, with a fine view of the water and the island of Caprii beyond. At the moment we arrived, a fleet of galleys set out from the nearby naval harbour, walking across the water on their oars like aquatic centipedes, adding to the picturesque aspect of the scene, like a fresco come to life. The ladies made the usual delighted noises as we disembarked from our prodigious transports. Looking around, I gave the temple some attention. It was a strange one, even for southern Campania, 
where many odd gods are worshipped. It had recently been refurbished to traditional Greek taste, in the Doric style, like most Greek temples in Italy. But I could see that it was far older, and had been built on a plan I had seen only in certain very ancient ruins, most of them in Marcian territory. Even odder than the temple were the priests waiting to greet us. Atop the steps were six men in white robes wearing laurel chaplets, clearly devotees of Apollo and quite conventional, but at the bottom were six more robed in black, three men and three women. They wore wreaths of asphodel, a funerary plant, and the priestesses held a number of black dogs on leashes.